Attention passengers, we ask that you please fasten your seatbelts at this time and secure all baggage underneath your seat or in the overhead compartments. Flyover Country with Scott Jennings is prepared for takeoff. The 100th birthday of WHAS Radio is coming up pretty soon, and we're talking to various personalities who've been on these airwaves over the years. Scott Jennings, who you've no doubt seen on CNN and who knows where else in the broadcast universe or cable universe, talking politics mostly, was at one time a WHAS radio news reporter, and he helps us celebrate our WHAS 100 series. Welcome back to the station, Scott. I'm so glad to be with you, Terry. Thanks for inviting me. How did you find your way to WHAS? I, I remember you being here and you were a kid. That's all I remember. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I had done a little bit of radio when I was in high school, but when I came to the University of Louisville as a freshman, uh, I heard about an internship. So I came down to the station when it was still in downtown Louisville and applied, and they put me in the promotions department. And after about six weeks of that, I got sick of counting those postcards we used to send out to people, <laughs> if you remember those days. <laughs> yes. And and uh, I'd get them out of the mailbox and count them and dutifully report to Rick Belcher. We got 100 postcards today. You know? And I... <laughs> And so I went down and I and I, I said to Brian Rublin, the news director, I really want to be a news reporter. So he handed me a script that he had just used on the air, put me in a studio, and had me record it. And I did, and he hired me that day. And from that day forward, as a freshman at the University of Louisville, I got to call myself a WHAS news reporter and anchor, and it was the best job I ever had. Well, you know what? You were great as a news reporter and anchor, but you were also good after the newscast was over, and then we would just freeform talk about things, which I guess helps you to this day when you're on CNN and people are volleying their thoughts around, and you're right in the middle of it. Yeah, it was the best training I ever had. I mean, being on with you and Wayne Perky and Joe Arnold, I did the news on his show overnight a lot, uh, a lot of banter, and, and it was good prep for that. It was actually good prep, truthfully, for my career in politics, just that rapid-fire communications and uh, having to think on your feet that's what live radio uh, really does train you to do you got to think on your feet react to things things are always going wrong and uh, and also be mindful of the clock and be efficient with your words that's one of the things brian taught me the economy of words but all of that was great training and and i still draw on it today well i see you on there particularly on political nights and you'll be on with a bunch of uh, democrat folks who obviously have different views than your conservative views and you hold your own with those folks are you guys friendly off the air oh yeah uh, i have to say uh, for the most part there's a lot of camaraderie i mean there's always a, like any business or any corporation there's a few people that don't get along uh, that's not unusual but but vast majority of us really friendly i love van jones i've become a really good friend with david axelrod who was barack obama's advisor he's on cnn now jen Saki, the white house press secretary she and i were on together a lot and and I count her as a really good friend. She's one of the best people I've, I've met in the business. Uh, I have to say, this has been a rewarding opportunity to meet people you'd not otherwise encounter if you're of my political persuasion. And most of them are just, just great people. And, and one of our, the things I've learned is we can have conversations with each other and not, uh, not be at each other's throats all the time. And, and some of these folks are so good at that and also good at what they do on the air. I really, really do value those relationships. And you're also good at giving your bullet points and staying on your on in your lane in terms of you don't you don't get bent they don't get bent away but everybody is heard that's what happens on those panels yeah i i just have a few rules about this business i'm in now number one don't interrupt people because you don't want to be interrupted number two it's the golden rule of punditry <laughs> you know do unto others as you do and 
And number two, you can't die on every hill. You know, I see some people come and go in this thing, and, and they literally think it's their job to defend every single thing that their side happens to be doing. And I tell you, the one thing I've learned is if you die on every hill, you'll be dead <laughs> pretty fast. And I've seen, a lot, I've seen a lot of people come and go. I mean, occasionally, Terry, you know this, you just have to be honest. You just have to tell the truth because you, at the same time you're delivering information, you're also preserving and building your own credibility. And if you go out there and say ridiculous things day after day, you're going to spend it all. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. You do great work there, but let's talk about the political portion of your career where you were working in politics and the challenges therein. Well, I was a news anchor on WHAS in 2000 and got a call one day from U.S. Senator Mitch McConnell, who I'll never forget what he said. He said, when are you going to get off the sidelines and get into the game? And I won't do my McConnell impression for you, but that's what he said. And he was asking me to, to leave the radio business and go to work for then Texas Governor George W. Bush. So I joined the Bush campaign in 2000. That was my first campaign. And took off from there. I did his campaign. I did McConnell in 02. I did Ernie Fletcher for governor in 03. Went back on the road for Bush in New Mexico. Ran that state in 2004, which was a really great experience. Then I got invited to work for Carl Rove at the White House in the second term, which I did. And then I came back to Kentucky, and I've done a ton of races since I came back in 2008. So I've had a really good political consulting career. These days I'm more on the media side, but my political career has been been long, and, and I've really met a lot of a lot of great candidates along the way, a few stinkers, but but mostly good experiences. How awe-inspiring is it to walk into the White House and say, I'm at work? <laughs> it was, you know, not only is it awe-inspiring, but Andy Card, who was the chief of staff that swore me in when I went to work there, said, if you ever walk into this building and you're not having that feeling, you need to resign. Mm-hmm. Because that's when you're that's when it's not special anymore, and that's when you're not taking it as seriously as you ought to be. I thought that was a really interesting advice. And Andy, of course, is one of the most uh, respected guys in Washington D.C. for a long time. But I was in all every day, and not just because I got to work for a, a great man, George W. Bush, or that I was a Republican who helped elect a Republican. But every time I went there, Terry, and I feel this way about CNN today. When I go there, I sort of feel like I'm representing middle America because I sort of feel like most of the people who get these jobs are from the coast or they went to the Ivy League schools or, you know, their parents knew somebody who knew somebody. And I'm just that's just not me. I'm I'm from middle America. I value that. And so as much as being a conservative or a Republican, when you walk into the White House or some other special place. I think for people who live where we do and who, who cover the area that we cover. Uh, we don't often get that seat at the table, and so that was what was special to me about it. It's got to be pretty interesting, though, to see a president in real life where you just see what who they are as a person instead of the one, the person we see in front of the cameras or at the lectern. Yeah, I mean, you, you learn things. They're real people. They, you know, they got to eat, and they got to do all the same things we do and, <laughs> you know, go through all the same stuff with their family that we do. I, I was always infuriated at the way George W. Bush and Dick Cheney were treated by the media because the caricatures that were created were nothing close to the truth. And, and the truth as I knew it, uh, you know, seeing them up close, George W. Bush was a really smart guy juggling a thousand different problems at once. And, and of course, the media created these caricatures of him as, you know, as a, as a dumb guy, couldn't, you know, do more than one thing at a time. It just wasn't true. And the same on Cheney, you know, like he's some evil Darth Vader sitting in the back corner. I mean, Dick Cheney was like, like your grandpa, and uh, except with all this experience and knowledge. I mean, it, it it was infuriating, actually, Terry, to learn what they're like behind the scenes and then to watch them have to go through the caricatures that are created. I actually think that sort of attitude from the media is one of the reasons the, the trust in, the, in the, at least the national political press is so low right now. 
It's interesting, too, to see how the liberal side of the aisle has embraced Liz Cheney when they were calling her dad, you know, Darth Vader, and then their initial impression, oh, she's a Cheney, punch her in the face. And then later, you see how things have evolved. Oh, yeah. It, it, it is amazing to me. In Wyoming, I guess uh, you can have Democrats vote in the primary now. So Liz Cheney is trying to get Democrats who were trying to throw her dad in the war crimes jail to save her campaign for the House. I mean, it, it really is a bizarre situation. But the truth is the Cheneys, Dick Cheney, Liz Cheney, they've always been true public servants. And so it's, you know, the, the circumstances have changed uh, and the political winds have changed. But I actually think the Cheneys haven't changed at all. They love America. They love their country. They're strong Republicans and they're strong conservatives. And, and that's who they are. It's just everybody else's and all the, all the machinery has changed around them. So when you've been running these campaigns for either Senator McConnell or for President Bush in New Mexico, those sorts of things, you learn from voters pretty much the same thing, don't you? All they care about is how much does gas cost or is, why are the groceries so expensive and so forth and, and protect education. Aren't those essentially the, the – the, and, and my ability to go to church, I guess, and Second Amendment. I think all those things kind of get wound in, and that's pretty much it, isn't it? Yeah, it depends on the jurisdiction. You know, when I ran the campaign for Bush in New Mexico, there were some issues that were unique uh, to that state because of some local, you know, the way that state is versus ours, which, you know, we have different terrain and different economies here. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, what's my quality of life? I mean, at the end of the day, people want to know, is my quality of life better today than it was? And are the people in office enhancing it or degrading it? I mean, that's basically the issue. And then there's a values question. Are these people that are running – do they share my values? And so you raise the Second Amendment. I would throw in the First Amendment. I would throw in, you know, do they protect my right to, to go to church and worship as I wish? Do they care about my kids' education as much as I do? These are all, you know, quality of life slash values, and, and it's basically the same. Now, this election, Terry, I would submit, we're going to see education as a much, much bigger issue than it has been in several cycles. But that's a good thing, because I actually think the parents of America are waking up to what's going on, on in our schools. The evidence that the parents are mad is there, and I think uh, if you've gotten on the wrong side of the parents, well, when do you come November? I've seen it in all those school board meetings. It's pretty astounding. All right, let's catch up on you to wrap up here. You have a a bunch of kids, don't you? I do. I have four children, four boys, uh, ages 12, 8, 6, and 4, and uh, they're in three different schools here in the area. Uh, We have 11 chickens in the backyard. The kids and I started a chicken farm during the pandemic, and it's been a rewarding project. We have a little dog named Baxter, and my wife, Autumn, who's from Whitesville, Kentucky, and I were raising our family out in uh, Prospect. And uh, When we left Washington, D.C., we knew we wanted to come home and raise our family. That's what we did. And I've got a company in Louisville called Run Switch Public Relations, where I'm the founding partner. We have about 25 employees. We do work all over the country, but our headquarters is here, and most of our people are here. Uh, and uh, and I, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else in the world. Well, I'm going to drop by for an omelet sometime soon because it sounds like you have a lot of eggs. <laughs> I get 8 to 10 every day. These chickens are champions, brother. I reach in the coop every morning. I'm pulling 8 to 10 eggs at them. My, my neighbors are tired of me giving them eggs. So if you want some, <laughs> come, on, come on by. <laughs> I will swing by. And I'm sorry we never got to get into your wrestling name, the Green Jackal from Parts Unknown, but Uh-oh. that's for another day. Yes, sir. I, that, was a, that was a fun day. And, I, and people to this day, the head of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce walked up to me the other day and said, hey, I'm supposed to call you the Green Jackal. And I knew. I knew she had bit on your show <laughs> because you've never let me you've never let me forget it <laughs> it was a made-up name we had here on the radio all right scott jennings proud of you and keep up uh, with all the great things that are happening in your life 
Terry, thank you for everything you do. Thank you for being the rock of WHAS. This radio station is so important to so many people, me included. It's the best job I ever had, and you're one of the best broadcasters I've ever heard. I love you, brother. Love you too, bro. Thanks so much. Scott Jennings, political consultant and longtime conservative voice on CNN. Watch him with Anderson Cooper and Van Jones and lots of other great talent on there. And you can go back in the files and find him as a news anchor from long ago here on News Radio 840 WHAS. Flyover Country with Scott Jennings is a production of Bluegrass Media Lab, coming to you from the heart of Middle America, Louisville, Kentucky. If you like what you heard, subscribe to Flyover Country on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.